On Monday, April 23rd of this year, as Toronto was enjoying a glimpse of sunshine after a recent ice storm, one Alec Manassian decided he'd go on a murderous rampage with a rental van at around 1.30 in the afternoon. He attacked unsuspecting people, most of those women, as they were out soaking in the sun, celebrating the end of a long winter. Little did they know that momentarily their lives would be snatched away from them. This story hit me especially hard because of how close it felt. The street they kept showing on the news, the store signs, the place he had finally stopped his van, were all so familiar to me. This was my bus route from several years ago. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Being a woman, the incel connection in this mass murder felt even more horrifying, more personal. I mean, every attack that you hear about on the news is horrific, and your heart bleeds for the victims and their loved ones. But when it's right in your home city, when it's on streets you are so familiar with, when you are the targeted demographic, that feeling is intensified by a hundred. And so, it's been especially difficult to not throw up as I've crossed paths with conservative think pieces in the aftermath of this. They casually discuss the redistribution of sex as if it's just economics and not a deeply intimate personal act, as if something is owed to these violent and bitter men. The ones making excuses, trying to placate them as a solution, are coincidentally the ones not at all engaging with who this group is not for a second comprehending that it isn't a lack of sex that's the problem here. It is their deep, intense, burning hatred of women. That's what any responsible journalist should be addressing right now, not how to satisfy these woman haters with violent fantasies of control and domination. I mean, just when you think the right-wing takes cannot possibly get worse, here they are, portraying these self-dubbed involuntary celibates as have-nots who get no pity or sympathy unlike the have-nots of money, you know, those who starve and can't afford basic necessities of life. That's who the incels are being framed as, the poor, the underprivileged, just trying to survive. Not freaks who dream of a reality like The Handmaid's Tale. We've got conservative op-ed writers and tenured professors wringing their hands trying to figure out how to solve things for these poor, deprived men who turn into murderers because they don't get orgasms. (laughs) And women are supposed to be the hyper-emotional ones unable to deal with harsh realities? Give me a fucking break. The same men who complain about the so-called victimhood complexes on the left are writing excruciatingly stupid think pieces about what boils down to orgasm, quote-unquote, inequality. Not getting laid isn't a form of inequality, you fucking dumbasses. It's a part of life that many, many, many people have gone through at some point and managed to remain non-murderous through. I feel like this is an even more pathetic form of apologetics than those who blame jihadist murderous desires on them being mistreated as immigrants. I mean, fuck off with that, too. I'm an immigrant, and frankly, that's insulting to immigrants. Can you seriously believe they are trying to make orgasm inequality an actual thing comparable to wealth inequality? 
This is the height of privileged, fragile, entitled, pathetic thinking that does not understand what inequality or injustice means for a person. Now, I'm pretty sex positive, but I don't think that that means entitlement to sex. And the fact some people do, well, that's pretty telling. I mean, if you need to get yourself off, fucking masturbate. Get a sex toy, warm up an apple pie, I don't fucking care. Doubling and tripling down on your hatred for women, though, is not a way to get laid. A lot of these genius redistribution of sex types seem to be suggesting sex bots, as if, you know, technically having an orgasm into something that looks like a woman is the issue here. Clearly, these people have access to sex toys now if they want them. They have access to even pretty real-looking sex dolls if they want them. That is not the solution because they want to dominate and control real women. Getting off with a sex bot or a sex doll doesn't accomplish that, do you see? I mean, it's almost like these assholes writing these articles have a soft spot for murderous, violent incels. I don't know what other way to see it. And there's been another disturbing theme I've seen around on Twitter. People keep suggesting sex workers as if they're not human beings, but instead they are some dumping ground for us to send our incel garbage to. Fuck no, they don't exist to satisfy the men that fantasize about murdering them. Please think before you suggest other living, breathing human women as a receptacle for these incels shriveled up dicks. Sex workers already encounter men who hate them, kill them, rape them. Please, please don't offer them up as a human sacrifice for the vile sex rage of these hateful men. I mean, there are plenty of people who are involuntarily celibate who do not turn this into rage at the rest of the world. In fact, the term was first coined by a Toronto-based woman who wanted to create a way to describe her journey and experiences with sexuality and dating or lack thereof. She does not like what the term has become and is described in an Elle magazine article as saying, Like a scientist who invented something that ended up being a weapon of war, I can't uninvent this word nor restrict it to the nicer people who need it. And it is unfortunate that it's been appropriated for a far more sinister purpose than intended, but I think it's important in this climate to familiarize ourselves with such terms. Things like incel or MRA, men's rights activist, or MGTOW, men going their own way. PUAs, pickup artists, and there's plenty more too. They rely on the mainstream not knowing, not understanding the larger context to spread their hatred. They manufacture situations with plausible deniability, just like the alt-right, which has a big overlap with the manosphere. The 2018 brand of extremism relies on a lot of internal group jargon, LOL meme wars that seem harmless or indecipherable on the surface. So, If you're trying to understand it, it's important to dig into these things. Anyway, I hope you'll find this episode informative. As much of an unpleasant topic as it is, I do think it's a key one to be discussing right now. And I wanted to say, pay close attention to how both guests of mine say they fell into either researching the manosphere or participating in it. They came through the atheist scene to this. I seriously had no idea that that was their trajectory before I spoke to them on this episode. There's something pretty horrendous bubbling under the surface in the skeptosphere. 
And I know I've been saying that a lot, but I feel like it just gets more and more relevant and necessary to acknowledge that, especially when the most prominent voices won't. So yeah, I found that particularly disturbing and also relevant to my last episode about the atheist alt-right overlap. Now, I have to say I'm quite nervous releasing this episode being a woman. Every female journalist or commentator I've read on this topic has said they have received endless threats and harassment from the manosphere just for covering it. So I hope that because I am super small time that that doesn't happen, but I can't help but be anxious. I even got a comment on Twitter from someone saying they hoped I would be charitable to the views of incels. I mean, who are these people and why would they expect that of me? (sighs) It would be so much easier for me to just stick to the easy-peasy, approved and much-loved Islam bashing, especially considering I'm an ex-Muslim who grew up in Saudi and could well use that to my advantage. But somehow I keep finding myself in the position of not going that route and being nervous about releasing an episode that is bound to piss off rather than pander to the bullies. I think I might cover some light conversations for a couple of episodes after this one. I need the break from the stress. Anyway, before we get to the actual episode, as always, I would like to thank my new patrons who help keep the show going. As old patrons leave, new ones coming in are much, much appreciated. Those who've been with me for ages, those who up their pledges, those who send me PayPal gifts, all of you. Really, I can't thank you enough. You motivate me to keep going And because of you guys, we're closer to the 250 patron mark where I'll be doing my second patron AMA. So if you enjoy the show, please support and help us get to that AMA sooner. And best of all, you'll be able to participate and send in questions if you're a patron. As I've said before, there are thousands of you who listen, but only a handful of those support the show. These things are risky and some episodes feel particularly hard and draining. Any support I get is more motivational than you can imagine. And if you can't support via Patreon, please leave a good iTunes review. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Oh, and I wanted to address the fact that some of you have said that if you're searching me on the Patreon app, I don't show up. I switched around some settings and hopefully am more searchable via the app now. But just in case the link to my Patreon is in every outro, also in the show notes, and I'll just plug it right here too, patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes, no E in mangoes. And before you think this episode is too serious and dull, let me just say that as horrific a topic as misogyny and the manosphere is, some of the shit they want and some of the shit they say is just so absurd, while at the same time horrific, that it cannot help but make you laugh. So strap in and get ready for a wild, meandering ride through misogyny land. (laughs) We did still have a lot of laughs, so hopefully that'll balance out some of the heaviness of this topic. You can follow Kevin Logan at KFLogan on Twitter and David Sherratt at alternate underscore facts. Use a four instead of an A for alternate. And do check out Kevin's really entertaining Descent of the Manosphere series. I'll link that in the show notes. And now, the episode. Make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects. And uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, (laughs) ever controversial or impolite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome to... 
conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, ex-Muslim host, Ina, keeping it non-controversial. Welcome to episode 44. Today I'll be discussing the different groups that make up what's known as the manosphere. One of those groups being incels or involuntary celibates, a term more people are unfortunately aware of since the recent Toronto attack where a van plowed through human beings senselessly killing and injuring many, most of the victims being women. This is a topic that sadly we must discuss now as people try to make sense of this recent attack in my city. But it will involve many detailed discussions of intense misogyny, rape, murder fantasies, murders. So please, if you're sensitive to that kind of topic, proceed with caution. Now, joining me here today is YouTuber Kevin Logan. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? Hello there. I'm very well, thank you. Um, I I always like to have my intros uh, led in by talks of murder and violence. That's always interesting. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I, I won't be putting that on the CV necessarily, but there you go. <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of like what you do, right? What Tell us a bit more yeah. about what you do. Well, I, I do um, low-grade YouTube videos about even lower-grade people. Um, yeah, I, I do videos about MRAs and MGTOWs. And, actually, I haven't done that many on incels just because they don't actually tend to make content of their own. They just sort of snipe from the sidelines. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the... Uh, Exposing, I think, what's his name? No, we hunt the mammoth blog. David Futrell. He describes as the new online misogyny, and I think that's a perfectly apt description because it's a sort of metastasization, if you will, of previous brands of misogyny, and but filtered through the internet, which is even more poisonous than previous misogyny was. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying, but it's also not new. As I've come to realize, like this kind of anti-feminism has been around for a while. But before we get into that, we've also got another guest, David Sherratt, who is, uh, I believe, an ex-MRA, but I'll let him introduce himself in more detail. Hi, David. Hello. Um, Yeah, I'm a former MRA, former MGTOW, former anti-social justice warrior type. Um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much just a general progressive now, and I mostly spend my time messing with far right people on Twitter. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting perspective to talk to you about. All right, so so tell me, David, what first led you um, to becoming an MRA? How did it all start? Um, that's a really complicated question, I guess, because I started um, watching a lot of YouTube videos on uh, on like the atheism religion debate and. I guess I started watching a lot of uh, the what the, the the sort of like civil war that ended up happening within the online atheist community over sort of feminism. I think I went to the thinking atheist forums for a while and started just discussing issues there. I was still not particularly sure about the feminism thing. I I, I wasn't entirely on board with that. I I had heard some. Um, criticisms that, uh, of, of certain feminist activism that made sense to me at the time. And I, I wanted to, to engage with, with feminists and see what their position was. And it didn't go very well. Um, I was sort of shouted down off of forums and stuff. So I think that ended up making me quite hostile to a lot of feminists quite quickly from the start. So 
it, it, it sort of led me down a path of basically watching a lot of videos from people like Sargon, from people like Thunderfoot. and Who are both atheists, right? Yeah, yeah. Who I, I, I suddenly started um, finding men's rights YouTubers. And at that point, when I, um, when I heard like some of the complaints from men's rights activists, um, when it came to actual legal issues when it comes to stuff like uh, circumcision, when it comes to discrimination within domestic violence and um, and the sentencing gap and circumcision, I, I sort of started to see that maybe there were actually legitimate issues here that needed to be addressed. And, and I think I was sort of pulled into the men's rights movement that way. Now, um, it took me quite a few years to realize the focus on feminism as as a um as just a pure enemy was uh, it was unhealthy um mm-hmm. and the real thing that showed that was when i ended up in a fight with the honey badgers over um, women's issues in the middle east and who and because, are those can you just explain uh, for the audience um, the honey badgers are a uh, female men's rights uh, group uh, they um they do a podcast the uh, karen straw and allison team and i i don't mm-hmm. actually know how um, they're doing nowadays? I haven't been. Um, I haven't been following they're, it for the yeah, last couple years. They're, uh, they're they're still around, still very much doing their thing. Um, I've actually had debates with, uh, I mean, an actual online hangout type discussions with all of them, and appeared on their show. And they are, yeah, they kind of almost are MRA stormtroopers. Dare I say? Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, I remember coming across Karen Strawn for the first time because she, I think, went on Dave Rubin another atheist hero um yes (laughs) (laughs) and she you know and i grew up in uh, in saudi arabia and she started talking about how she was saying some stuff about burqas and something milder on dave's show but then when i went and looked in to her views she had other videos talking about how saudi arabia men are actually more oppressed than women yeah that was this was the the thing that um uh, the honey badgers kept doing on that um in, in that, they they kept using this sort of rhetorical trick that where they would say, "Hey, men have all of these issues," and then downplay the women's issues, and then say, "We're not saying that men have it worse in the Middle East. We're not <laughs> saying that women aren't oppressed." But every single women's issue that would ever be brought up, they'd try to like contextualize it and. And, and try to justify it in some way. Yeah, like um, the I, driving I had, ban. They were like, oh, well, they get to yeah. be driven around all the well, time. Listen, and- yeah, I, I well, ended one- up having so many arguments with them over this. Um, I remember like this long, really, really long um, argument I had with Karen on Skype about, I, I think it was about like forced marriage, because I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said something along the lines of that the women... Um, like uh, like women could legally divorce their husbands, but it was only under very very specific circumstances. Um, well, and then she she like conflated one uh, one country with all of them uh, in the Middle East and and mm. like the entirety of Sharia. So there there was a lot of like yeah, it it just ended up being being a lot of pedantry. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how you started de-radicalizing, I guess by. Seeing yeah, the loopholes in their arguments when they were so absurd that they had to say men are actually more oppressed in Saudi Arabia. I, I think they ended up calling me a sand feminist as well. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. I did not. That was, 
I yeah. did not know um, that was a slur. I mean, I've been called the sand N-word many times on Twitter, but uh, sand feminist, that's a new one. Yeah, because yeah, I'm only a feminist for the uh, the Middle East or something. That was, that was the claim. Oh, oh gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's an interesting path you've been down. It, it's got to be a hard position to be a more left-leaning some person who's kind of in this emerging from this MRA world, right? Yeah, it, it really, it was uh, like, I did see this sort of, um, this issue of the, like the entire, like the men's rights did, uh, movement really did have this very heavy right wing bent when it came to the older members. But I, I actually know quite a few of the young, um, the younger members who um, they were all quite um, like uh, quite liberal and progressive like I was. So really? I, I mostly hang, I mostly used to hang around those types, and a lot of them just ended up leaving. I know a couple of them are um, are like straight up progressives in, in progressive circles now. And, um, but they've left and the MRA scene. Yeah, they they've left the MRA scene just yeah. like I have, but it wasn't as public as me because I ended up being a bit uh, like when when I get into uh, when I when I get out of a movement, it it tends to be a bit of a a, a public show. So you were like what publicly shamed or something for leaving. Yeah, uh, it, it ended up in um, end up being a, a very very big uh, fight all over YouTube and Twitter, and then yeah, wow, that did go well. Okay, well, I'm glad you've left. I mean, I can kind of relate because being an ex-Muslim that's left-leaning is becoming harder and harder by the day. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that, that's the problem. Is that like I, I do legitimately still believe that men's issues are important and that they need to be dealt with. And uh, I, I always try to, um, like when I, I looked at a lot of um, the men's issues, I did try to take it from a sort of socially progressive perspective. Like I, I'm, it was, it was from a perspective of like actual like gender equality and stuff. But you know, um, like feminists, there are, gender roles. there are feminists who'd like tackle men's issues too. I don't know if you yeah, think that's are. inadequate um, or... Um, I, I, I just don't, I, I just don't think like there's, there's enough of it around the board. Like, um, it doesn't matter if like, it, I, I'm not talking about like this in terms of the feminists or, or, or in terms of the men's rights movement. I just don't like the issues haven't been solved. So clearly not enough has been done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't, um, I, I don't really have like an, um, I don't really identify as either a, a feminist or a men's rights activist at this point. I'm just sort of, I, I don't really talk about gender issues enough to, to really consider myself part of either movement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anymore. Okay. And Kevin, your Descent of Manosphere series has been really quite the wild ride. I've been trying to get through as many as I can before we do this recording. I couldn't get through all 50, I think there are. Um, there's 50 or more. Kevin, did we lose you? We lost you there for a bit, Kevin, but now you're back. And, uh, David has a theory on where you went. What was it? Oh yeah. He was kidnapped by incels. (laughs) Of course he would be. Yeah. They did a really quick brainwashing of me. And so now I'm back to, 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 was it to start the glorious revolution or whatever? Oh dear gosh. Well, state mandated, state mandated GFs. Right. So let's, okay. You guys maybe can help me break down this really creepy cryptic message uh, that Alec Manassian left on Facebook. 
the Toronto attack guy. He writes, yeah. private, brackets, recruit, Manassian infantry, 00010, wishing to speak to Sergeant 4chan, please. I don't know what the numbers he quotes mean, C2324961. The incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. All hail the Supreme Gentleman Elliot Rogers. So, Kevin, can you help make any sense of that? Um, yeah, the, the numbers, again, I don't know the, what the numbers specifically mean. I assume they're just sort of gibberish to make it look like he's an actual soldier in a war of some sort. Uh, 4chan is a reference to um, an online uh, message board 4chan. But what's is, Sergeant um, 4chan? Well, I presume that's just a reference to um, the community. Okay. Of, of, uh, I mean, sometimes in memes, they uh, there is a, a meme. I think someone um, at some point referred to like an individual as 4chan. Um, it was. It must have been some like normie journalist who'd done it. So, um, so there became this meme. Like, there's the hacker known as 4chan. Um, so it might be something to do with that. Yeah, but I, I I assume it's just a reference to that kind of disparate community yeah. of of sort of scummy far right maniacs. Frankly, I mean that's that's most of what that is. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The incel the incel rebellion. Uh, yeah, that's essentially like they, they think of themselves as this kind of I don't know uh, almost like a movement. Group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, uh, Chad's and Stacey. Basically, Chad is uh, a male who has sex, and Stacey's are females who have sex. So they're and like that, desirable I mean, people, basically, who are successful sexually. Well, yeah, yeah but yes, but it, I mean, it goes sort of wider than that. It doesn't even have to be particularly successful sexually; just that they've had or are possibly going to have sex. It's, and you can tell that's how far removed they are from any kind of version of reality that they need special names for basically 99.99% of the population. Right. Yeah. To, to associate as, as them being separate. Um, all hail the Supreme gentleman, Elliot Roger. I mean, Supreme gentleman is a direct quote from Elliot Roger. It's one of the creepiest things he put out there. He was the Isla Vista shooter mm-hmm. who killed, was it nine people? I believe um, six people uh, and injured 14. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, about four or five years ago now. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it was he, 2014 that he did. Yeah, uh, and he referred to himself as the Supreme Gentleman, which is bizarre considering the previous sentences involved him going on about um, uh, sluts, uh, parties, and um, you know, uh, men who don't care and all the rest of it. And that, I think, plays into the, it is an utter delusion. They see themselves as desirable people. They see themselves as, as Supreme Gentleman or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're some of the most despicable people. Yeah. They're, they're fundamentally, it's not... Like in general, if someone's on, if someone wants to be loved and wants to have relationships and stuff that, and that's not reciprocated, that's sort of a shame. But with the incels as a community, I find it difficult to feel sorry for them because they're just fundamentally unlikable people. I looked him up on Wikipedia, and it said in his manifesto he described his childhood family conflict, frustration over not being able to find a girlfriend his hatred of women, his contempt for couples, his disgust for interracial couples, and his plans for what he described as retribution. Now, I mean, this does not sound like a normal, well-adjusted, good person. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're absolutely defined. And they're actually, the incels and MGTOs, they see themselves as a different group, but essentially the, uh, the differences between them are far smaller than either of those groups would want to admit. Um, 
and they so can you explain you. what MGTOWs are because I'm yeah. sure the average yeah. listener will have no idea uh, yeah it's it's an well technically an initialism rather than an acronym but let's just go with acronym uh, which stands for men going their own way, which in theory is essentially, uh, on the face of it, not necessarily even a terrible idea. The concept that if you've been burnt in relationships and whatever, you don't like the way sexual relations are in the modern world. So you essentially check out of the dating game of relationships and focus on yourself. That's but that's like more itself. voluntary, right? That's like yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's um, that's the theory of what a MGTOW is, and in sort of in a sense, the theory of what an incel is. But in reality, what it is is they haven't actually gone their own way. What they do is spend all of their time constantly uh, going on about how terrible women are. Uh, it's it's often rather violent imagery used towards women as well. Uh, incredibly degrading towards women and they are defined by their misogyny basically mm-hmm. absolutely defined but you may, I mean you briefly touched upon it there the um ministerian's hatred for interracial couples I've said this, this was uh, Elliot Rogers hatred for interracial Elliot Rogers yeah. Elliot Rogers sorry um yeah uh, the that kind of bigotry that kind of core of misogyny so often is intertwined with racism and homophobia and transphobia mm-hmm. and various other things because Essentially, anyone who isn't exactly like them is degenerate or terrible in some way to these groups. Um, and it's it's dangerous in a number of ways, especially because the internet allows them to sort of group together and congeal and form this kind of airtight echo chamber of violence and fantasy. And sometimes it ends up erupting out in forms like Elliot Rodger and Alex Manissian and various other... Um, smaller uh, individuals who have done, you know, domestic violence yeah. and Actually, and there was a massacre in Montreal in 1989 at uh, L'Ecole Polytechnique. Mark Lepine. Yes, yeah. that's the one. You know it, David. Yes. How come? Yeah. Um, I, 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 can't, um, I can't remember exactly. Um, I, it, it was something that, um, that I heard feminists mention quite often. He'd been associated with men's rights groups or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was. So he'd been associated with uh, Cafe, the um, campaign for equality um, in uh, Canada, uh, which was a kind of vaguely men's rightsy group who uh, had been supported by people like Karen Strahan and various others. And the leader of that group had uh, uh, had, in some way, I can't remember the exact quote, but in some way, had essentially said that this man's misogyny was justified in some way and essentially tried to um, mm-hmm. excuse away uh, terrorism. In essence, wow, uh, wow, yeah, you know, terrorism. when I was reading up on him, the, it, it's it's horrific. Like, he began his attack, this is what Wikipedia says, he began his attack by entering a classroom at the university where he separated the male and female students after claiming he was fighting feminism and calling the women a bunch of feminists. He shot all nine women in the room, killing six, he then moved through the corridors, cafeteria, and another classroom specifically targeting women to shoot. Overall, he killed 14 women and injured 10 other women and four men in just under 20 minutes before turning the gun on himself. His suicide note claimed political motives and blamed feminists for ruining his life. Pretty scary and uh, not unfamiliar, sadly. And you'll, you'll, you'll see so much of online anti-feminism, as it were, defending such things. I mean, yes. a famous example um, would be a Sargon of Akkad, who's a famous atheist, anti-feminist chap, 
essentially blaming Lacey Green for perpetuating a system that led to Elliot Rogers uh, doing what he did. Right, I heard that part of the rant. And he's just screaming, it's a fucking feminist system, Lacey, you know? Yeah, and that's that's going out to hundreds of thousands of impressionable young people, and they are. I mean, if you look at the demographics of his channel, uh, most of his viewers, most of his regular repeat uh, viewers are in the 18 to 35 category. Yeah, I, I mean, I actually remembered originally watching that video um and the first time i watched it i thought he meant like for the sake of argument when he said it like he he was talking about how actually technically we're in a feminist system so if you're going to blame a feminist system then if you're going to blame the system then you have to blame feminism or something like that but then i actually went and watched it again and he didn't do that and i I must have like projected some kind of overly charitable interpretation on it from not watching it properly the first time. So how long um, after did you watch it again? Uh, two years after. Oh, um, wow. I okay. watched it the first time. Um, yeah. I had some serious... Re- I-, I had to rethink pretty much everything after I sort of ended up moving out of the men's rights and uh, anti-feminist circles. It was... It, it was a bit of a wake-up call. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Well, yeah, another uh, example that just popped into my head, um, although strictly speaking it wasn't a misogynist act of terrorism, it was a, an anti-Muslim act of terrorism that didn't actually kill many Muslims, bizarrely. But when Karen Strand defended um, uh, Anders Breivik, the Norwegian... Mm, she did what? Yeah, if you go and watch her video, uh, I will link it to you afterwards, David. Um and she essentially goes through a sympathetic backstory of of uh, Anders Breivik and literally cries on camera. Oh my about gosh! Oh, yeah. I, I'd seen her. I, I'd I'd seen her like basically defending the co- like white genocide conspiracy theories, but I didn't think she'd go that far. Yeah. Jesus. Well, this was and this was years ago. This was before even really the kind of turn toward the alt right had happened on in terms of not the YouTube discussion or whatever. This was literally, uh, you know. Um, Within a few, a couple of months, I believe, of the actual attack. Um, but yes, yeah, I mean, she subsequently had uh, uh, Chris Cantwell, the crying Nazi, as he's known on the yeah. internet. Um, she, uh, the night after, or the, or the very same night that that happened, after Charlottesville. It was. Um, it was the night before Charlottesville, I believe. It, it was. It was some. It was a very short amount of time before Charlottesville that she had a chat with him, and she basically agreed with him on everything. No. Um, I, I, well, I could be wrong, David, but I'm I'm almost certain I remember it being after because he was saying he was going to hand himself into the police the oh. next day. Yes, yeah, she had him on for oh, discussion. Okay. Yeah, yeah I remember was, hearing no, I it about it after as well. But yeah, I but this is the thing, doing, though. I did a right, these people that. are sort of maybe fringe, but then they get endorsed by and downplayed by much larger figures, and and especially depressingly in the atheist scene. So. Dave Rubin, as I mentioned earlier, had Karen Strawn on and, you know, kind of did a softball, completely non-challenging interview with this absurd person who's also, um, you know, endorsed like beating women. Uh, I forget what the quote was, but it was something really, really horrific. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she's, I mean, I'm something of a self-taught expert on these people. She did. She said that um, sometimes in relationships, domestic violence is necessary. Um, was one of the things she said. Yeah, she she, she said something along the lines of like she said that, um, that it should be it, that it uh like 
it might actually technically be better if it's accepted uh, because if you um, if you discourage it, what ends up happening is is the woman will um, will wind the man up until he explodes and kills her. Yeah, but yeah, if, yeah. Uh, that's if yeah. yeah. If he's allowed, uh, but if he's allowed to like uh, like smack her every now and then, then he won't get that angry or something like that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's some. Which is also said stuff like Sharia. She describes Sharia law as um, gynocentric, which is one of the most what? absurd <laughs> things I've ever heard a human being say. That was actually at an event that David attended, uh, the the um, International Conference on Men's Issues. The funny thing is, I, I that was the one speech I didn't watch. That was the it, one speech I wasn't there for. Yeah, that's I mean, that's fair enough because I mean she was talking utter. How rubbish. does one even justify saying Sharia well, she, is gynocentric? Uh, but, well, because she's a little bit mad, um, basically. She cherry-picks certain examples of, I mean, you mentioned it earlier about the the, um, the driving ban, uh, that she turns that from being an issue where women aren't allowed basic fucking human rights to, oh, well, they'll get chauffeured around. Yeah, yeah, I did hear oh, that. Ta- how is that gynocentric in the slightest? You're denying women <laughs> the basic right to be able to drive themselves or to leave the house unattended. It's ridiculous. What are you talking about? It is absolutely and, and, ridiculous. Yeah, and Dave, Dave Rubin does um, softballs with people like Karen Strong, and obviously. Yeah, but you're not allowed to say yes. that he promotes extremists. Yeah. If you do, well, he he's going to Steph- sue you. Yeah, he had Stefan Molyneux. It, sue me, Dave. I will happily see you in court, you fucking prick. <laughs> um, he had uh, Stefan. So this is called polite conversations. I apologize. Um, oh no! Usually he, they're not that polite. So go for yeah. it. St- swear um, away. Well, well, you do bleep out the word polite in the intro, so I mean that, that, that's that's a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has people like Stefan Molyneux on, and just has him talking about race and IQ. Like this is a hot topic. Bullshit. Come on, hey, the atheist but, scene loves this topic these days. Well, exactly. I mean, but the thing is, <laughs> if you're going to have someone on, right? A, a, you probably shouldn't have Stefan Molyneux on because he's not actually a fucking scientist; he's just a twat on the internet. But if you're going to have someone on to talk about a specific topic. At least push back. At least actually ask the journalistic question of him. But he does push back when he has to defend, say, Lauren Southern to the Patreon dude, right? So you see where he pushes back and where he does not push back. Yeah, interesting. We we notice we notice whose free speech you're protecting all the time, guys. Right, right, exactly. So it's it's very interesting and horrifying that this misogyny does come tied in with this. Horrible alt right racist crap, and I—I I mean, yeah, your fifty-part series, as I was saying before we got cut off, um, Kevin, it has been really eye-opening. Like I didn't—I mean, of course I knew, like on the surface, and I really don't want to know these things. But sadly, being a left-leaning ex-Muslim atheist, you kind of have to learn where this sexism, where this misogyny is coming from, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's not just it's it's easy to see it all tied in as a bald bigotry of like, misogyny and racism and all the rest of it, but there's actually in a more insidious way there's a kind of funneling of the and there was always going to be young male anger. There's something mm-hmm. about the chemical makeup of young men specifically in that, every part being, of the world. I mean, come yeah. on, like jihadists, Islamists. Yeah, exactly. There's there's always going to be young angry men, and you can deal with that constructively as societies. You can deal with that through education and through outlets for these men and for good mental health care would be hugely important as well. But unfortunately, what we've done in the West, and it's it's difficult to really tackle it on the Internet, 
uh, without being incredibly censorious in many ways, which I don't think anyone particularly wants. But you have a funneling of that young male anger from just basic bitch misogyny, as it were, which is an odd phrase, I know, but it's being funneled into a kind of alt-light, alt-right even as far as Nazi kind of thing. And it's through the softer versions of yes, that yes. that you get into that. I mean, Richard Spencer even described Sargon Cad and Lauren Southern as good entry points to the old right. And it's true. They soft sell. And Dave Rubin's starting to do this now. Start, and, oh, uh, he's been doing it for a yeah. while. He's the even softer yeah. version with a respectable face, right? Lauren Southern exactly. still is the identitarian. And, you know, Sargon tweets things like, I wouldn't even rape you at, you know, sexual assault victims, but Dave yeah. Rubin is like this supposedly respectable person who has, you know, who has mainstream politicians on his show and, you know. Well, it's, well, it's exactly, but unfortunately America's gone so crazy now that mainstream politicians means all right, sorts of things. Right, but, right, I mean, right, right. You've got, you've got very far right people like Paul Nealon running for um, Senate. Yeah, but you know, it's leftist hysteria. There's nothing to worry about. Let's focus on yeah, Islam. exactly. The fact that they've got, I think it's now three or four out, uh, out and out, open Holocaust deniers running for high office in America in this, this year, in 2018. That's terrifying. Yeah. And that's, um, not, and that's is... not coming out of the... That's not coming out of the clear blue sky. You can see where these people are coming from, the swamp yeah. they're emerging from. Yeah, and it's it's pretty much like their their exact tactics. Um, their, their their entire tactic has been to um, to unite the right wing in general. So they are basically the idea is that uh, these right wing extremists they coddle up to more moderate types to basically get the more moderate types um, lumped in with them, and then. Um, as a sort of reactionary defense, they will sympathize with the extremists more. Yeah. Who yeah. the more moderate ones? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We you, see you that get... all the time. I mean, even like, look at, um, we, as we were talking about Karen Strawn, Jordan Peterson, who is like the top conservative intellectual, quote unquote, these days, was promoting Karen Strawn on Twitter the other day. I mean, this is a woman who's talked about. Wife beating being okay, and this and really she's like straight up said that what um that white genocide is probably happening right now. Peterson always signals to these really disturbing messages, but you can't say that because he hasn't said those words right. These are his rhetorical strategies as well. Like he'll say that it's uh, worrying that men can't deal with women the same way that they would with men who would say something like calling them a Nazi, then you could just go punch a man out. But you can't do that with a woman. Yeah, exactly. Basically soft-selling the idea that punching women is a good idea. Right. But if you say that, you'll have a thousand Peterson fans in your mention saying, he didn't say that. No, no, he just implied it. Yeah. Unless you can give me six hours of quotations (laughs) from him, that's out of context. Exactly. They really are. Um, But uh, as to David's point about uniting the right completely... Um, the I think there's a really good example in Jordan Peterson of I, what I mean. Me and David both come from the atheist YouTube scene, as it were, as it used to be, mm-hmm. and that Jordan Peterson would have been a person of utter derision in that sense. Exactly, yeah, same. He really would have been a, a Christian, exactly, and a, a presuppositionalist as well. Yes, right? he literally came out and said that atheists don't exist. If you think you're an atheist, you're wrong because yep. you can only know shit through God. 
fucking mad like sighting Bruggenkart. He said Sam shit, Harris right? is a Christian because he doesn't rob banks and stuff. Right on Ruben, I believe it was. Isn't Sam Harris, is, wasn't he of, of Jewish extraction anyway? Yeah, but he's clearly, a, you know, very vocal atheist, right? Well, exactly, yeah. But, I mean, even if he were religious, he wouldn't be Christian. Well. <laughs> would he? I don't know. Yeah, but anyway. it doesn't necessarily, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have, like. But you guys. When, when, uh, people say, when people say this is proof of God, I say, yeah, exactly. Vishnu be praised. <laughs> but look, um, every good person is going to be but, Christian. That's yeah. what Jordan Peterson well, exactly, thinks. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, exactly. Well, being being Christian is is the good thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's that's mighty Christian of you. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he would have been uh, Peterson would have been abs- a, a, a person of utter derision. He would have been you know a lol cow as it's referred to on yeah. the internet. Um, but now people are happy to the right, as it were, the old, the as David described earlier, the the sort of civil war about feminism and the rest of it. Those that are on the right of the atheist scene. That have been essentially sort of grafted onto this much. Which more are the extreme. majority, don't you think? Yeah. I think so, absolutely. If Every you major numbers, figure that's where the subscribers are, yeah. Is like um, an anti SJW. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And but they're happy to overlook that stuff. Like literally Jordan Peterson saying, if you think you're an atheist, you're wrong uh, about all of these atheists. They're happy to overlook that because he also, you know, talks He also sells about tickets, right? Cult- cultural Marxism and he postmodernism. Does. Yeah. Are things that he doesn't even fucking understand anyway, but it doesn't matter as long as he's making the right sort of sounds. They're happy to overlook, like I say, he being a Christian fundamentalist presuppositionalist. Yeah, this this is this is the funny thing. If if Saiten Bruggenkate had just like waxed lyrical about political correctness, yeah. it, he he probably would like be promoted nowadays. Almost certainly, yeah. And he could. He, and the thing is. You don't even have to have had like a squeaky clean past in that regard. They're happy to overlook that shit. Even if you come from like Dave Rubin used to be on the Young Turks, uh, Lacey Green used to be like a kind of you know uh, an SJW kind of icon or whatever. Um, if you're happy to sort of turn your back on that and start preaching the, the from the hymn sheet, uh, they're happy to overlook all of that past and mm-hmm. accept you into the fault as long as you essentially they've got their own version of political oh, uh, quite quite a few of them political incorrectness basically. the funny thing is actually quite a few of them don't a lot of uh, that i i know quite a lot of um anti sjws are actually um still think that lacy green is some crypto sjw oh yeah look i'm not saying they've been accepted completely but the the big noises are happy to Associate That's true. Yeah, I mean, he, even there's yeah. like alt-right people who think Milo is gay and therefore unacceptable, right? So yeah, that's true. Well, exactly. Yeah, the yeah the um, uh, millennial woes in the in the, the, the series of mine you mentioned, the Descent of Manosphere. He gives the quote about uh, Milo Yiannopoulos uh, not being. He, he tries to make the case that he's not alt-right, which to a degree he sort of isn't, but he certainly spouts a lot of the same shit. Um, and he says. We can't have a gay race mixing half Jew as a leader of the alt right. Yeah, well, okay, no one's saying yeah, he's um, a leader. Yeah, that's that, that's that's true. But isn't like millennial woes openly bisexual? Well, lots uh, of them. It's the thing. Like, yeah. we've, we've got people like uh, Nick Nicholas Fuentes. I mean, okay, you guys have to Fuentes. explain who all these people are because I'm sure the yeah. audience has no okay, idea. So, uh, who is millennial, millennial woes? Millennial woes is a Scottish. An unemployed man who lives in his dad's fucking basement. That's literally yeah. true. He, he, um, he's like one of Richard Spencer's right hand men. And he's yeah, he, he's he, an open white supremacist, right? Yes. Yeah. Who has advocated violence, I believe, before, Indeed, but then deleted he, he, it. Yeah. He um he called for 
uh, he said that basically he's okay with slavery at one point, which was interesting, but also that he uh, uh, refugee boats should be machine gunned. No, it was torpedoed. Torpedoed, apologies. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I, and, actually, and that, I undersold it. <laughs> yeah. In that same video, he also talks about how um, after the collapse, uh, the, they should take down names of, of EU officials and politicians um, that should be executed for creating the migrant crisis or something like that. Yeah, Do you remember when the media like out- outed who he was? There was a lot of like people defending him because they're saying that the media doxed him. What are your views on that? Like an open white nationalist I, who advocates yeah. violence. Do you think that he should sort of not be investigated and known to the people around him? Well, I find it difficult because I, I mean, I'm not for the generally speak. I'm not for um, people being outed in that sure, way. Sure, but when you if start advocating into- violence, I think that well, exactly. Well, the the line I I draw, you know, in a sense is not just the advocation of violence because I mean the police should have investigated that straight yeah, up. Yeah. But also, um, if you're just an internet person, that's one thing. But it's when he went to America, and that's why he was outed in the end because he went to speak at the National Policy Institute, which is Richard Spencer's mm-hmm. fucking. Mm-hmm ragtag bunch of scumbags um he went to speak at their conference in washington and he actually did like a whole tour of america i outlined it in my my video on him uh, and he he spoke at several of these sort of events and stuff including doing a, a open holocaust denial and advocacy of all kinds of violence including making a list of leftist journalists for them to target uh, oh yeah yeah he, uh, basically before he got doxxed by the media he was actually discussing creating a database of um, of personal information of lefty journalists. How Peter yeah, Sonian so, of him. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, was, ba- yeah, he was ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was, he, he was basic, he basically planned to do um, what journalists did to him. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I, I, I sort of pointed that out in my video because I, I remember specifically, again, this, this is how my, crazy my mind works. I remember it was at Washington State University, so in the Pacific Northwest, and um, he, he spoke there and he said that uh, he didn't believe the, the mainstream narrative of the Holocaust, basically saying it didn't happen, and said, yeah, that, that um, he'd been kind of attacked in some parts of the local media there who picked up on his arrival because um, the whole Zig Heil gate thing in, in Washington, D.C. had just happened. And he said that, yeah, a database of leftist journalists should be made um, uh, and that they should be targeted, and then, but then, started to complain like fuck. When like two weeks later, upon his rearrival back in Scotland, uh, the, a national Scottish newspaper outed him on the front page as like the Scottish Nazi. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I'm sorry. You, you, if you play the game and you get bitten by the game, tough. Yeah, I mean, I think that he should be free to have his vile views and Holocaust denial, and he shouldn't, you know, be outed for that. But once you start advocating for violence, then you I, I, cross I mean, a the, line. I, I, there, there is a point at which it's basically incitement. Um, yeah, of course worth, there is. It might yeah. be worth pointing out that um, I do know that there was a, um, a terrorist attack in America. I can't remember exactly uh, where it was, but basically... A white, um, a white nationalist tried to um, try to push uh, push the race war a bit further forward by um, murdering a black man with yes, a sword. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Well, I uh, basically, uh, if you they, they found his YouTube channel, and if you actually go to his uh, subscriptions on YouTube, Millennial Woes is one of the people he watched on YouTube. So it's Ugh. very possible that um, he played a part in that. 
You know, it's so scary to me how connected these things are to the circles that well, we run in. Like, yeah, well, I was just going to, sorry, I was just going to say, um, uh, sorry to cut you off, but uh, Ben Shapiro. Um, yes, the people were the, Quebec mosque he, shooting. Yeah, he was literally named in the, in the uh, prosecution's case. And it's uh, uh, ironic because he tweeted out like, ha ha, what is it going to be another Mormon this time? Except yeah, exactly. he was wrong. Well, they, do this all the, they do this all the time. They did with, with the uh, Alex Manissian thing in Toronto, the uh, yes. driving into the group of women. Yep. Uh, very, various people said, made allusions to, oh, it's definitely a Muslim. It's a Muslim. It's another truck of peace, which is one of their phrases. I just don't um, understand why people cannot wait because they can end up being embarrassed, but I guess it doesn't matter to them. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because their fans have shown time and time again that they don't care that these people are fucking liars and frauds and hucksters. They yeah, basically I, I, just I, they I, just want to sell they just want to sell tickets, as it were. And what sells tickets is, oh, it's the Muslims every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember Paul Joseph Watson um berating the media specifically for making uh, um for not making assumptions that turned out to be false like yeah exactly you, yeah well, well, exactly yeah that? well yeah he was saying why don't the media just call this out already yeah he was also and saying that the yeah. mayor of toronto like, is like virtue signaling and he's not saying anything about the jihad attack or something he's not saying yeah, that exactly. it's a jihad attack or, but he doesn't know yet and it wasn't so what the fuck? It just, it's so troubling to me that this overlap of the incel anti-feminist manosphere and the atheist skeptosphere is, you know, is such a large overlap. Even uh, Stefan Molyneux, right? He's a massive, massive, uh, I don't know how many YouTube subscribers he has. Does anyone have an idea? Um, several hundred thousand. Yeah, I, recall, I think it's, I think yeah. it's seven or eight. On, uh, and then he had this like really notorious rant about women choosing assholes, right? I, I it's let me exactly. just well, read it out here. Women who choose the assholes will fucking end this race. They will fucking end this human race if we don't start holding them a fucking countable. Women who choose assholes guarantee child abuse. Women who choose assholes guarantee criminality, sociopathy, politicians. All the cold-hearted jerks who run the world came out of the vaginas of women who married assholes. And I don't know how to make the world a better place without holding women accountable for choosing assholes. Your dad was an asshole because your mother chose him, because it works on so many women. If asshole wasn't a great reproductive strategy, it would have been gone long ago. And this man has prominent scientists on his show who don't do their research. This man has other prominent atheists on his show. He has Douglas Murray on his show. It's just, it's disgusting. Well, that, that quote encapsulates so much of what this misogyny is. It's the holding of women to a completely different standard to men. You notice there he didn't at one point say, well, maybe we should look at men and maybe why are they arseholes and how can we change them from being arseholes to not arseholes. It's all about oh, the women are choosing arseholes. Well, if so many men are arseholes, lots of women don't have a choice. Right, and why doesn't this work the other way? What if men are choosing, like... Yeah. Bad women. No, no, you can't blame men. It's always well, it's a, women. Yeah. Well, it's it's set, it's setting the game up so that women cannot win, right? Yeah. So it's you know uh, if if they dress 
too provocatively, they're sluts and they were asking for it. Yeah. If they dressed, if they were dressed too uh, conservatively, they're prudes and, uh, oh, you're probably just a feminist, lesbian, fucking Marxist or whatever. Um, it's setting it up so they can't win. And actually a prime example of that is another another name that people might not be familiar with, a guy called Black Pigeon Speaks, who's an American um, uh, nationalist. I thought he was... Oh, so can, yeah, Canadian. He's a, yeah, he's yeah. a Canadian... Um, oh no! Is he Canadian too? Yeah, yeah, he's a Canadian, and but he lives in um, Japan. Japan, I believe. Yes, exactly. There are so many anti-immigration people who live in the country they weren't born in. And it's there's a bizarre. strange thing with Japan and white nationalists or white supremacists. They love Japan. Well, yeah, because it's because it's uh, pure enough that it's seen as an ethno state. It's not actually, but. It's pure enough that they they're happy to go there. Uh, it's sort of their idealized version in their minds of what they think an ethno state would be, mm, and also um, the subservience of women. And I think something yeah. about that too that they like. Just so much sickness. It's yeah, uh, but yeah, so, so black Putin's is like I say, a Canadian anti-immigration guy who lives who's an immigrant. Brilliant, but also his his thing. Um, he made a video called Women Destroy Civilizations, which is an amazing title for an amazing clickbait title. And in that, he goes in about the women who um, hooked up with Nazis in you know, occupied Europe during the Second World War. And um, he focuses solely on the women uh, uh, letting down their tribe, as it were, because they're going with the enemy. But it takes two to tango. The Nazis were doing exactly the same to their tribe, surely. But it's only ever focusing on just the women. Yeah, the there was um, the belly in the ways, literally the belly and the blonde, the blonde in the blonde, belly yeah, of the blonde in the belly of the beast. That's, that's her. It. Yeah, she had a clip that was about how women who sleep with immigrants are like women who slept with Nazis, and they should be beaten and paraded in the streets, bring back the patriarchy, and it's just you know to me coming from Saudi Arabia. Hearing this kind of rhetoric become more and more popular, especially in the atheist scene, it's like she's another weirdo, completely regressive person who Dave Rubin has promoted, has yeah. uh, said he admired the work of, um, ha- refuses to call regressive because only people on the left are regressive. Um, but yeah, even though, even though they are regressive in the literal sense that they want to go back to well to what they imagined the 1950s right. was right, right, exactly. Yeah. So it just it boggles my mind that I'm seeing like this weird salafist shit being yeah. smuggled into the atheist scene now. But it's well, exactly, it is. It's bizarre because they will attack Saudi Arabia because it's full of brown people, basically. But they want that kind of patriarchal society to exist here. It's, yeah, it's very very strange. Um, it, it, I've always said before, if they could get over their racism towards brown people, they'd love Saudi Arabia. They should yeah. go there. Yeah. Please leave us the fuck alone. <laughs> um, hey, Saudi Arabia but, has enough misogynists. Please do not well, send more that way. Well, um, well, yes, exactly. But at least if it's only in one place, like the rest of the, like, we can escape. We can we can smuggle the Saudi women out, and they can all fucking kill each other or whatever. They don't, I care, don't care about Sa- women from Saudi Arabia. Well, I can tell you that. Don't. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know for a fact that that's the case because they will only ever bring it up in reaction to something that a Western woman says. Yes, they never actually do anything about the issues of women in Saudi Arabia. They don't yeah. um, fuck about it. Uh, no, it, it, in defense of some of the people in the atheist scene, I do know a few who, have, um, who actually do work with, um, 
with like atheists and they do actually yeah yeah of course there will always out. be oh, exceptions yeah, but, that's, but that's that's an outlier david come on yeah no, oh no don't get me wrong they, they are outliers um yeah but know you know there was exactly, a guy they're not exactly well liked within um within the contemporary atheist community there was a guy who built his brand on helping saudi women who was outed by his own spouse as exploiting them and getting like inappropriate photos from them and stuff oh, like that yeah yeah i i i know him so, I mean, it's a very depressing time. And, and it always goes back, was, like, Jordan Peterson. Again, when I was watching your Manosphere videos, you know, then I would click into find more videos from the people that you were talking about. Always there would be Jordan Peterson recommendations in between. And, you know, there are some real, like, pickup artist types who clip his videos and put their own titles on them, right? Like, why women like jerks. Jordan Peterson, yeah. you know, this isn't his yeah. own title, but he's talking about some weird shit or like, you know, he says how lipstick is uh, men like women in red lipstick because of ripe fruit, because that's how we evolved. Yeah. Just yeah. weird. Right. Yeah, because it reminds you of ripe fruit. It's bizarre. He's got these weird analogies like lobsters. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like I, like I, I've heard the, I've heard the theory that it's something, um, that it's something to do with like it, um, uh, I think it like resembles a, a vagina or something. I don't know, but like ripe fruit. <laughs> What's that? An <laughs> apple? Like at the very least, at, at the very least, like the, I think it's something to do with like the coloration of a vagina when it's uh, when when a woman's. Well, yeah, but surely we don't eat. It would only remind you of that if you tilt your head to the side. What? I didn't get that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, no, I missed yeah, that joke. Like, like, ripe fruit doesn't make sense. That, 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 like, uh, the it makes fucking some, sense. Yeah, it's all bollocks. So this is how he phrased it. As color vision evolved, then a positive feedback loop developed and fruit got redder and redder. And at the same time, women capitalized on that. Women capitalized on that. Listen to him. And that, that's partly what explains the association with Eve and apples. It, like, it, he's talking about women exploiting this situation. Come on. This is not just that, but this is not just that, but uh, please do show me where it says apple. Yeah, it never actually does. It doesn't, no. Yeah, it doesn't say apple. It just says the fruit of the tree you shall not eat. Yeah. So he's not even, <laughs> he's not even good at Christianity, which is bad for a Christian, really. There you go. <laughs> but yeah. Well, interestingly, a, a complete aside, but a, a random little fact for you. Did you know that the apple falling on Isaac Newton's head wasn't an actual apple? It didn't actually happen. It was an allegory for truth and knowledge. The apple oh. in what, sorry, was an allegory? Isaac Newton's head. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was from a letter to his friend who asked him how he came up with the idea. Um, or how gravity as a concept hit him, uh, and he used the uh, the visualization from the Bible story of uh, the apple representing knowledge. Oh, I'm sure it was some uh, woman tempting him to do something. Jordan well, Peterson Isaac, will tell you. Well, yeah, well, no, well, yeah, Isaac, he, he, Isaac, was, he was progress. He was, he was, um, was progressing uh, with um, with cultural Marxist <laughs> ideology. <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say, it definitely wasn't a woman doing that because Isaac Newton was gay, but. Anyway. Oh, but it's still got to be a woman. Come and on, get out here with uh, get out of here with your with with your like new Marxist ideology of Newtonian mechanics. <laughs> exactly, geocentr <laughs> geocentrism. But is, since is, we're talking we're about, not, we're not regressives. We just want to go back to the 1500s before this gravity nonsense came about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
when everyone was just floating about like normal. <laughs> Since we're talking about, um, like, I guess, uh, fruit, I mean, this is a weird way to bring this up, but something <laughs> edible, so it reminded me. Now, this is a weird, really disgusting term I've been hearing uh, around in this incel scene, um, and it's roasties. Now, can either of you explain that for the audience? Why they call women that they consider to be sluts roasties? Roasties? No, you haven't I, heard that one. Then let I me. Ex- I, I, I've heard it, but I I don't get it. Okay, let me explain then. Hi, I thought you guys were the experts. So this well, is you've, you've got me on this one, yeah. <laughs> so this is in Britain, in Britain. A roastie is like a roast potato. Yeah, so, uh, that, that doesn't it's make sense. Literally a potato. Talk. Yeah, it's it's literally a potato. Oh no! Here, I think they're referring <laughs> to roast beef. So I guess that's the different imagery. Um, so there was this journalist who wrote a rebuttal piece to this horrendous New York Times piece. I don't know if you guys came across it, but oh, it was like the redistribution of sex. It. Yeah. So she was talking about how she came across this incel manifesto, which had some really disgusting demands on it. It's an article by Talia Lavin or Talia Lavin in the Village Voice, and I'll link it in the show notes. She goes, do you want to know how incels would like to redistribute sex? Take them at their word. Here's a quick segment from an incel manifesto that began making the rounds this weekend after it appeared on Bad Economics Reddit and which lays out a few clear principles for sex redistribution matrix. Among the ideas on offer are banning makeup, a means of feminine deceit and suggesting a system of <laughs> and suggesting a system of state mandated sexual market value cards measured oh, Jesus Christ Oh no oh my god measured on oh. a 1 to 10 scale the proposal culminates in the following women with more than 9 sexual partners and single moms should be forced by the state to date and have sex with incels that can't get any women despite the above changes. So then she goes, I found out what incels like to call women they consider slutty. The term is roasty, and it's short for roast beef, and it derives from a physics and anatomy illiterate understanding of female genitalia. Can I just read I, 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 a horrible website, but I think it sums it up rather well. Uh, their, their top description for roasty, it's uh, a female whose labia of their vagina resembles roast beef. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So and she's the, the quote, the, the way they use it in a sentence is, and this is fucking grotesque. Dude, I went down on this roasty the other night. That shit was like eating an Arby's roast beef sandwich. Yeah. So because she wrote this, because yeah. she tweeted this little manifesto, she had incels tweeting photos of roast beef at her for hours. And so they think that having a lot of sex with a lot of friction causes the labia to stretch or something. That's just not how vaginas work. That's not how labia works. Even giving birth doesn't change the shape of your labia. I mean, the ignorance yeah. is astounding. These, these things are down to genetics, right? I don't know. Have you heard these types of theories from other guys before? Um, I, only online. Only online? Yeah. yeah. O- only online. Okay. And the, um, the point I made earlier about the, the incels only really existing as like sniping from the sidelines, that sums it up nicely. They don't actually make their own content, really. It's just when like a journalist mentions them or something, 
Yeah. They'll go and, and post. Yeah, what a, gra- what a great piece of advocacy that is. Spamming someone, spamming with roast beef. Genius. You fools. Just ignorance. I mean, hatefulness, oh. obviously, but it shows how little they understand women, sex, and women's bodies. Well, like, well, like, like I say, they, it's not unrequited love is one thing, but what these people are is just unlovable. They're just unpleasant, I, unlikable, unfuckable people. I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily always inherent, though. I think. Um, You'll find, um, and this is going to be my uh, maybe a, a somewhat more sympathetic take, but it's not like blaming women or anything. Mm-hmm. I think the blame lies on pickup artists, on these online like uh, like uh, the the Rouge V's of the world, um, the, these uh, these extremists, because like they they show up if you Google uh, very basic stuff, and they're they're recommended on YouTube quite a lot and stuff like that. So the story of Elliot Roger is that he actually started out by watching a lot of this pickup artist stuff. Mm. And from what I can tell, what happens within um, what happens with incels is they go into this pickup artistry stuff. Then they realize it's a con, but they yeah. only realize that the, the tactics themselves are a con and not the surrounding ideology that the, um, that the tactics themselves are based on yeah. are the problem. So they end up buying into the misogyny, but without buying into the um, weird, creepy pickup pickup tactics that pickup artists tend to use. So yeah. what you end up what you end up with is this guy who legitimately thinks he has no sexual market value um, and, and thinks of these things in these terms. And obviously that's extremely toxic and just terrible for their mental health. I, well, yeah. And I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the kinds of guys who get into this are really, really fucking gullible. Yeah, exactly. The, the 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 pickup artists are arguably more of a more immediate danger to both men and women because a they teach men essentially the best ways to to sexually abuse women. In essence, that's what that's what's going on there. But on the surface, but, but, if you know nothing about the scene, it seems kind of harmless, right? Like dating tips or whatever. Well, exactly. Well, yeah, actually, well, there are there so, are some there are some people like that out there as well. But when you get into uh, but then there's a very specific subset of uh, pickup types who are um, who are giving extremely dangerously bad advice. Well, exactly. yeah, Rush V is a rape advocate, Rouge v. is he not? Rush V is rape advocate um, and a rapist. People like, and, and a rapist. And a rapist. Yeah, uh, Julian Blanc is another example. With I would advise people to look into a thing he's got called the choke opener, which is where you grab well, that's women. Julian by... Blanc. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you grab them by the the, the neck. Yeah. And you what? The, yeah, you grab a woman upon first meeting a woman you want to have sex with, uh, like a bar or something. You grab them by the throat, push them to the wall, um, and put your face right into theirs and speak. And it's just to show dominance and what? Uh, that this woman. Yeah, I mean that's that's just straightforward physical abuse is what he's that's, teaching them. Yeah, you that would cause someone to call security. That's not a normal way to interact with women yeah. at all. But there are videos. There are videos of him online doing this. I've seen them. They exist. The police haven't. He should be in jail. He's a very dangerous man, frankly. He, he was um, banned from the UK. He was banned from the UK. He was banned from Australia. He's been banned from various places. But obviously, America can't ban him because that's where he's from. Um, but he, they could certainly um, put him on some sort of list because he's a very, yeah. very dangerous man. And like I say, so he's an, of immediate danger to women in that respect. 
uh, not just him, but that, like I said, that kind of subset of really skeezy pickup artists. The, the kind of people who do dating tips and like self improvement tips and stuff like that. That that's fine. That's there's nothing particularly wrong or bad about that. Um, and in, in many ways, that can be healthy. But the PUA type people, like um, like uh, uh, a and uh, uh, Julian Blanc and uh, these various other uh, Rolo Tomasi and these kind of people, um, they are really dangerous to men as well, though, because um, there's no there's, they cannot give you happiness. Even if they, even if they, some of these tips did work, which they don't. Even if they did, all you would do is get laid. If you read Rushvi's books, as I have, you will find that actually he's not a happy man in many, many ways. Sex for him is just the end goal. There's no love there. There's no relationship. There's you no didn't pay money for his books, did you? Yeah, it's a status thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's just he's he just matches on a bed. Enjoy post. the act. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't yeah, enjoy the act of it. If you, exactly, if you it's just how it's just it. mechanical. It's just mechanical. Getting getting laid, that's it. Yeah, it's almost as if he doesn't. Once his penis has entered the vagina, he might as well just pull out straight away and say, "Yeah, done." Because yeah. he doesn't actually enjoy the act of sex at all. But no, I, just to answer you, but I haven't paid a, a single penny to Rushby. Good, 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 good. There are there are um, I other sent methods. You books. What? You sent me a, you sent me a few oh. of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I, um, I've got various. Uh, there, got there various were, there, yeah, there are various other methods of acquiring those books uh, for free, and let's just say I, I, I did acquire them that way. Good. Paying for a rapist books not good. So I just got hold of Jordan Peterson's book via one of those methods as well, um, and I'll be doing a breakdown <laughs> nice. of that. Although I do hope that's far less rapey than Rushi's books, because I mean those are to say they're tragic. Oh, well, it's going to be somewhat less rapey. It's got it's to got be. A and and apparently he's going to teach me how to clean my room, so that's nice. That's good. While smuggling in some good old fashioned sexism, I imagine. Um, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at NiceMangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal, nicemangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no Ian Mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help.